everyone, my name is Crane, and today on After the Show, we talk about the Chinese gaming era, with the amazing launch of Genshin Impact and the jaw-dropping visuals of Black Myth Wukong. Is China going to be a big player in the gaming scene in the future? This episode was recorded on November 17, 2020. Hearthstone finally released their new tab in Paris system, and it has the internet up in arms. We get folded in on why so many people are upset. Adam talks about the expansion of xCloud to other countries, as well as Genshin Impact's phone number fumble. As always, if you like what we do, please follow us on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. It really does help and makes a huge difference. Now, on with the show! Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to After the Show! Today, we'll be going over some news and getting straight into our topic. Chinese games are becoming more and more prevalent in the Western gaming scene. What do you think about them, Adam? Uh, as I've said before, I'm all for expansion and inclusion. So, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of, not even, I'm sure there are, there definitely are plenty of talented individuals whose stories and ideas are worth sharing, China included. That said, it can very, it can be very difficult to sometimes separate a country's people from a country's politics. We've obviously seen that in the American election. And in China, this is doubly true, specifically because of all the control that the government has on some of these policies. And that extra baggage does have me a little bit concerned. So That is definitely something to be concerned about, and we'll definitely get into that in a bit. I mean, I was quite surprised if you watched our previous episode that my time at Porsche was Chinese. And that made me like reconsider, do I want to kickstart my time at Sandrock, which I eventually did. Uh, not to mention quite a lot of students outsource their development to Chinese studios, but we'll get into that later. Uh, before we do that, let's get into the news. Okay, so my news is going to be about something totally different before. So I'm going to talk about Hearthstone. Again, I apologize for that. If you don't know who this is, this is the Gold Grubber. He is a guy on Hearthstone Battlegrounds that if you have golden cards and golden cards are three copies of the same card which merge to become golden he will gain plus 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 two and plus two in stats because he likes gold and it's quite a cool themed card and this is the image that PC Gamer all credit goes to them used for their article so if you don't know it Hearthstone's expansion launch is tonight Taiwan time or yeah, tonight, Taiwan time or in the afternoon, American time, it comes up with the new Tavern Pass, uh, which actually has already launched. The Tavern Pass is basically you pay $20 for this release cycle. You get some XP benefits, you get skins, you get a bunch of other things for 20 years, which is actually a good price. Now, before this system, for people who don't play Hearthstone, basically you did three quests a day, and with each quest, you got between 60 to 100 gold. You get 10 gold. For winning per win for winning every three matches and that's how you get gold that's how with gold you can buy card packs uh, with gold you can buy the battle passes you can buy the tavern passes uh, you can buy portraits as well or or different characters now the problem was before blizzard implemented this new system they promised hearthstone gamers that actually when the new system comes out you will be earning the same amount of gold as you do. So to give you guys an example, there are roughly three quests a day, on average 180 gold. So if you play seven days a week, like I do, because I play at lunch and dinner, um, you're earning, God, my math is terrible, more than a thousand gold. So in my Hearthstone account, I have about 2,200 gold. And that's, I don't need to use it. I haven't had to buy like an arena ticket to play arena. 
And I usually use that gold to buy tavern parishes and that kind of stuff. But now that's for me. I've been playing Hearthstone for six years, so I, I win on a regular basis. Now, if you're a new gamer who's just started Hearthstone, this is a huge problem because you are earning far less gold. Uh, a pack of cards and a new expansion costs 100 gold. So this means you can buy less packs, but this means you will be less competitive. And that's a problem. Blizzard is being defensive. Loads of people are up in arms, uh, streamers, YouTubers. And with good reason, this kind of sucks. This limits the amount of people who are going to get into Hearthstone, who are going to play ladder. So I hope they fix it. Uh, what do you think, Adam? So if I remember correctly, though, on Hearthstone, they do matchmaking, right? So are they really going to be that, that much of a disadvantage? Because won't they be playing against people that are similarly ranked and therefore don't have access to as many cards as well? Uh, so... The ranking system is not based on what cards you have. It's based on what your, you know, the so-called MMR is. Right. But I mean, it, that would mean that even if somebody has a lot of cards, you're still equally as likely to win against them as somebody who doesn't have cards because their ranking is low, right? They're just a terrible player with lots of cards. True, true, true. I mean, but I mean, it's it's even a bad player with lots of cards is more likely to beat a skilled player with less cards but wouldn't that raise their ranking higher and then then push them kind of out of your ladder arena in a way it, it, it would in a way uh that that does but in hearthstone of course there are people who um i've heard the term is called mushrooming um uh. where you lose on purpose to go down and that is apparently a thing uh i don't do that i play and i mean people also some people like me I play five letter matches uh, probably a month to get my new card back, and that's it. And then I, if I do play a letter, I usually win because I'm at such a low level, and it's it's I have all the cards. It's easy for me to build good decks, and I know the way the mechanics works, and I've been playing for years, so it's 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 not fair. Because I mean, for me as well, because I just don't have time to put time into ladder and making it all the way to the higher ranks and then staying there. Okay. Now, do you think this is an oversight or do you think that this is kind of a slightly greed motivated? Definitely greed motivated. I think Blizzard's been trying to figure out a way to get people to spend more money. And I think this is this is a way. I mean, the Tavern Pass, you do get gold, you do get skins. You get a lot of cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. You get cool stuff in Tavern Pass. Uh, before, to get skins for characters and stuff, you had to pay money for it. But in Tavern Pass, as you play quests, your daily quests and weekly quests, you get experience and you get to unlock stuff. I think that's cool. But that's cool for me. I've got gold. I'm middle-aged. I mean, I can spend real money if I want to. I bought the new expansion again. But if you're a new gamer, and I think I'd love more pe new people to get into Hearthstone, this kind of sucks. Quite a few of Taiwanese students that I know play Hearthstone, and they kind of stuck on a particular level because they can't spend money because they're 16, 17, 18. Okay. Do you know what the exact math would be on the difference of how much less you're making? There is a YouTube channel called Hearthstone Mathematics that they say that they've done the calculation I will put a link in the show notes today. I will look at their video and they've explained it. This guy is a master at math uh, and he goes into the math of the gold you earn versus the old system versus the new system. Um, I don't remember the numbers offhand, but it is that the number that a lot of people have agreed on who have done the math on Reddit is 30% difference. Okay. So how much would you normally be earning? 
uh, uh, like I said before, I mean, a piece, person like me who does the quests, who does, because some of the quests require you to win. So if you can complete your daily quests every day, let's say you don't. Okay, let's say you're a new player. You're doing two quests a day. That's 120 gold times seven. That's uh, 840 gold a week. That's enough to buy eight packs. That's enough to play arena. In two weeks, that's enough to buy a battle pass uh, to get more characters and uh, in jewels or oh, battlegrounds, which are the two other modes. Okay, so we're looking at two to three packs less a week, basically. Yes, and that is a big because you. the new rule is every 10 packs you get a legendary. and uh, But that legendary might not be the one that you need in order to make a competitive deck. Okay. Ooh, these microtransactions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, but we'll talk about a little bit of that later. Yeah, okay. That pretty much covers my co- questions for that. I'm interested to hear about xCloud. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, xCloud's been available in uh, America and in Europe for a while now. But for good news for other countries, it is now also going to be released in Australia, Brazil, Japan, and Mexico. So... This is uh, interesting because they're expanding their player base, I guess you could say. So this was released just last week, November 13th. And basically, it's not necessarily new news in the sense that xCloud has been around for a while. Uh, But the fact that we are getting it expanded is a good thing because now more people are going to have access to it. And I think that of the streaming services so far between the Stadia xCloud and Luna, I think xCloud is actually probably going to be our safest bet given that Microsoft of those three is the only group that has experience with gaming. Uh, Stadia we've seen has just been kind of all over the place and has not been advertised well. And it looks like Google's just fumbling it. And a lot of people are kind of concerned that they're just going to eventually drop it like they've dropped other projects. Uh, Luna... Amazon will probably, because they do have things like Amazon Prime, so they're a little more familiar with streaming services and stuff like that. And they're, the way that they do with the packages is kind of interesting. But xCloud, because it'll it'll tie right in there with your Xbox Game Pass, you're going to have access to a lot of games. So I think that of the services, Xbox is kind of the one to watch because I think they're going to be setting the industry standard at least early on. So the fact that they are branching into other uh, regions is actually uh, good news because it means that there is at least some level of success that they can do that and it's not being abandoned. So so this is a good news for streaming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So any questions about that or? Oh, definitely a lot because I mean, when xCloud first released, I was like, oh my God, xCloud. And I was hoping uh, just sort of like when Netflix came out that I could just like download it onto my phone and I download it onto my phone. I'm like, sorry, this is not available in your region. I'm nope. like, no. Probably won't be for a while either. But Japan is good news. At least it's breaking into Asia. So, Yeah. So I- I'm curious though. I mean, I, I- I'd probably kind of have a look at it. Uh, just now, just to give it a quick download to see maybe it is available in Taiwan. I don't think so. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, please. Because <laughs> I'd love to be able to make use of, like you mentioned, 15 minutes of Assassin's Creed while the wife was in the shower. I'd love to be able to make use of like that 15, 20 minutes, pick up the phone, uh, play some strategy game or whatever game uh-huh. on my phone, make use of the, you know, the really nice, double, bright, XDR display. Do you think you'll get xCloud at all? Not anytime soon. I don't I don't think it's going to be available in Taiwan anytime in the near future. There's definitely the possibility of it, but I wouldn't be holding my breath. It will eventually come. 
But as you know, in Taiwan, we typically get things much, much later. We, we got Netflix later. We got HBO Go way later. Um, we still don't have Disney Plus. I don't True. believe. Do we have Hulu? I don't think so. No, we don't. I, I've I've been keeping track of Hulu, Disney Plus. Okay. And I don't think we have Amazon either. We do have Amazon. Oh, okay. So, so, so we do have Amazon. Amazon Prime Video. Okay. Uh, in Taiwan and Netflix. All right, but yeah, you can see we're way behind the curve. So I would not be expecting it anytime soon. I do not think we are a priority of theirs. However, would I eventually get it? I think I would have to wait until at least 5G becomes somewhat of a standard because running things off of my Wi-Fi, like for instance, uh, I've had cases where I'm downstairs cooking dinner. I, I come home late, so I tend to eat dinner late, but I'll come home after work. I'll eat dinner. My wife is watching Netflix upstairs. I pop on the TV turn on some HBO, try to watch some Twilight Zone. And she suddenly is like, why is our internet so slow? And it's like, oh, okay. It's because we're both <laughs> trying to run something at the same time. So in that sense, yeah, me sitting on the couch and playing it, well, you know, I'm not going to be sitting on the couch and playing it while she's watching something because that's going to be eating bandwidth. So the only time I would be playing it would be when she's not around. And if that's the case, I'm just going to be playing on the PS5 or you know, a regular console, I'm not going to be streaming stuff. So until I can get a consistent connection with my phone, and then I could kind of do it anywhere, then I might do it. But it's really going to depend on the games. Because again, the only time that I would not be playing on my designated console or PC would be when I'm traveling. And if I am traveling, then I probably don't have access to the internet, unless it's through 5g or whatever. So so not anytime soon, but yeah, definitely the, the possibilities out there. And again, it's, it is going to depend on a lot of games because if I can get a lot of those games on my console, I probably just will. So yeah, it's going to be very dependent on exclusives. Okay. So you're going to talk about Genshin Impact? Yes, Genshin Impact is in the news again. So obviously when it fell out of the sky, I guess, I don't know why I said that, but when it first <laughs> came out, it made a huge splash. Everyone was all over it which I mentioned early on that I was kind of surprised that nobody was complaining about microtransactions. Uh, now we're starting to see some of those, but that's not the news that I'm talking about here. Uh, what we're talking about today is recently it came out. This was released uh, on November 15th, at least the news article that I saw. Maybe it was a little bit earlier. Genshin Impact, what you could do is look up a player's profile and get their phone number. So basically what would happen was originally when, and now this isn't happening if you're playing on the PlayStation, obviously, because it's linked to your PSN account. But if you're playing on, especially mobile, probably to a lesser extent, people on PC, when you had your account, you could link it with your email or you could link it with your phone number. And that would basically be like if you forgot your password or double verification or whatever, you could basically get that you you told them how do i want to be able to reaccess my account and for people who linked their emails if you clicked on a user account it would give you like part of the email but not the whole thing so it might be like the first two letters and then a bunch of asterisks or something like that so basically you could verify it was your own email for some reason people who linked their phone numbers they were not censored so basically if I knew what your user ID was. For instance, if I saw you online, I could go and look up your user ID and it would 
list out your phone number right there and I could look it up. And the thing is, is this is not a security breach. They were kind of advertising. It's like, oh, this is a security breach. No, it's not a security breach. It's me literally just going to the site, typing in the user thing, and there's the person's phone number. So there was no security breach. They were just putting it on out on full display. You know, yeah, it's kind of like claiming that, you know, you're walking around your front lawn without pants and then you complain about breach of privacy. It's like, no, you were walking around in your, you know, nobody was sneaking in your window. You were out in the front lawn. So this is kind of the same thing. Now, this is a huge, 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 huge oversight. And I don't know if I don't really know what caused it. It probably was not likely a glitch of some kind. Uh, for instance, people had noticed that there were phone numbers out there and people weren't quite sure if they were real or not. So then people started looking themselves up and they would find their own phone numbers. And then people would start getting together and they're like, hey, I'm going to try to look up your phone number. Tell me if this is your number. And yep, that was my number. So this is, yeah, I don't know what caused this. This is not Mihoyo's first game. So I don't know why this happened, but it was a huge oversight. And I wonder if this is partially a difference in the value of privacy between Western developers and Chinese developers, which will bring us into our next topic after any questions you may have. So did this affect you? No, I, I played on the PS5, uh, sorry, on the PS4. So mine was, uh, mine was linked to my PSN account. So if yes. it did display anything, it would just display my gamer tag. And that would have been it. So for me, it was fine. It was only for people who linked their account to their cell phone numbers. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you linked it to your, if you linked it to your email, it was not going to be an issue. Ah, so thank God nobody got to see your phone number. No, 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 no. Because then I'd be getting all those calls that I'm already getting from all the telemarketers. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was a really weird thing. So. All right, so let's move us on to our topic today. And today's topic, we are talking about the Chinese gaming era. Uh, Adam, do you want to lead us off with whatever your opinion is? Uh, okay, well, it's a mixed bag for me. I, there are obviously a lot of good coming out of it. Obviously, you really enjoyed my time at Portia, probably going to enjoy my time at Sandrock. You say Portia, I say Portia. I looked it up, both are okay, so nobody can claim that I'm saying it wrong this time, like we did with the Stadia. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. And yeah, looking through, there were a lot of games that I did not realize were Chinese made. And obviously, Black Myth Wukong, which I reviewed or previewed, I guess would be the word, last week is is going to be made by a Chinese developer. I think that that kind of thing is really, really cool. For example, we have lots of, for instance, Assassin's Creed Odyssey follows Greek myths. We have lots of things that follow Greek mythology or kind of Viking mythology or, you know, Western mythology in general. But we don't have a lot of games based in Eastern mythology, you know, very few in Chinese. I think we had, uh, what was, I can't remember the name of it, but the main character was Monkey. It was kind of an interpretation of Journey to the West. It was called, uh, I can't remember what it was called now, but it was for the PS3, I think. Uh, so we've had a few games with Chinese influences. Definitely a lot of games with Japanese influences. I don't think, I can't think of any games with Indian influences. So 
Yeah, I can't think. But I, I think that would be actually. Oh, Prince of Persia, maybe to an extent, but maybe. But or but that's Middle Eastern, not necessarily Indian. But but yeah, I think having more of these stories is a great way to kind of expand because you know there are ideas that people have, and like movies, you know. We're in the era of movies now where people just do reboot, 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 reboot. There's no new ideas. And there's this whole realm of these ideas that we're just not tapping into. So I think in that sense, this is a very, very good thing that we're tapping into this and getting kind of a different perspective on things. Now, that said, there are a few things that worry me. On the non-political side, traditionally, Chinese gaming is a little bit different because the majority of gamers in china are mobile gamers not your console gamers not pc gamers most games in china are mobile and that's why we get that kind of mobile model with genshin impact where you're getting the daily refresh rate you know the daily energy and you can play for these microtransactions and there's this gotcha system and in the west just a few years ago there was this huge push push especially after Uh, What was it? Star Wars Battlefront 2 with the microtransactions and loot boxes. There's been this huge push against loot boxes and we're moving away from it because it's gambling and all that. And I I worry that because in China, that system is just so ingrained that nobody even thinks twice about it. That's just the way things are. And I kind of worry that with that market pushing in, we're going to start seeing what we would what we would consider to be backtracking back into this loot box system. Um, Like I said, when Genshin Impact first came out, everyone's like, oh, this is so cool. This game is like a free Breath of the Wild. It's free. This is awesome. And then people started realizing that the drop rates for five-star heroes was something like 0.6%. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, so it's a 0.6%. But then if you get 100, for every 100 100 unlocks you get, you would get one Friday. They have like a mercy system. I don't remember what they call it. Pity system, I think they call it. For every 100, if you don't get a five star, then you get a five star. But I mean, at 0.6%, you're basically only one in 100 is going to give you a five star hero, which is what you basically need to do in-game content. So it's a huge money sink. And I do worry about that model kind of seeping its way in because if we see a lot of these Chinese developers that are using that system, because that's the system that they're used to. And, you know, coming into our, then I, I worry that Western developers are going to be like, oh, see, they're doing it and it's successful. Let's go back to that system. So I do worry a little bit about that. Now on the political side, like I said before, it is hard to separate. Now you, you, you've heard, you see people on the internet and they say like, oh, I don't hate the Chinese. I hate the CCP, right? But it, it can be very, very hard to separate people from their politics. And because of things like censorship, for instance, we saw, uh, we've talked about it before, where we saw devotion, not sorry, not, not devotion, the, the, the prequel, detention, no, devotion, the sequel, it was devotion. Detention was okay. Devotion was taken down because of a comment that it made about Winnie the Pooh and that offends the Chinese president. So that whole game was taken down. We've seen games like Genshin Impact. You can't mention the word Taiwan in it or you can't mention the word Hong Kong in it. You know, so that kind of censorship thing. And from the Chinese side, it doesn't bother me in Chinese games because those are their games. But what it does worry me 
is the same thing that we've seen in Hollywood, where before China didn't develop a lot of its own films. Most Chinese films actually came from Hong Kong and Hong Kong had freedom of speech and whatnot. Well, when China, so China had to import their films either from Hong Kong or Western films. And when they did that, you know, they basically had to take whatever they could get. Once they got their own industry and then the government started saying things like, oh, we're only allowing so many Western films in a year. Then suddenly Western studios started clamoring over each other for a piece of this pie. And they started saying, okay, well, we're going to do things like we're going to censor out things that offend the Chinese sensibilities, or we're going to kind of cater to the Chinese audience to get a piece of this pie. And I do kind of worry that Western studios now with more Chinese studios developing their own content, that basically is going to kind of give them a little more, the, the government a little more leverage to say, we don't need your games. So we're only going to allow the ones we like. And then I worry that there's going to be some competition to cater to these kind of Chinese rules or standards or whatever, similar to what we see in the NBA, where they're like, oh, you can't say, you know, like, we're going to say all these things about how great China is. This guy spoke out about Hong Kong. You know, we're going to completely disown this guy because we still want a piece of that Chinese money. So I do worry about Western developers self-censoring to get into that. So that worries me on a certain level. Okay. You've just said everything. Ah, no, but I'm looking at your notes. You got different stuff here. <laughs> I mean, it's, these are like basic notes. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you just pretty much covered all of my opinions. Oh, no. uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, See, I mean, after everything you said, I'm like, okay, is there anything else I want to say about this? But say something yeah, good. You, I I don't know if there's anything <laughs> good about it. <laughs> oh, you don't. Oh no. Um. Okay, um, let me think of something good then. No, no, no go no, ahead. No. Um, uh, like what you were saying, I, I I think there is already sort of you know timers and microtransactions and things that I follow. I mean, because I mean, when I came to Taiwan, people were paying money for skins. People were in, if you go into 7-Eleven in Taiwan, you can buy loads of like a game cards and this Gash is one of them. What is the other one? My cart, uh, which is way kids can buy and parents give them money. I've had students who, uh, their reward for being a good student in Taiwan was to get a thousand Taiwanese dollars or $30 a month where they can go and buy out this cart, which they can then use to buy stuff in a game. I have a senior high school class on Friday, and one of the students, he spends 50 US a month on Clash Royale to buy the premium pack to get experience, to get cards and stuff. And so, I mean, that's very much a part of Taiwanese slash Asian Chinese gaming culture. So, and like Adam said, I, I hope Western gaming doesn't become that because I, I dislike microtransactions. Hearthstone is a good example of that, that the way it's gone right now, it doesn't affect me but it's going to affect a game that I deeply care about and that could potentially ruin the game in the future. Yeah, no, Adam talked about the politics side, so I, I don't need to mention that. Loads of YouTubers, Western YouTubers, have mentioned that, you know, since COVID-19 hit, uh, lots of games have experienced delays because games have been outsourced to China. This is a page that I'm going to show here. Um, you cannot see it, of course, because it's super tiny, but if you go to Wikipedia, you 
Google games made in China, you'll find loads of games. I mean, from Rayman, there's, there's more to that name than that. Rayman something or the other. I was a platformer on the PlayStation, on the Switch, uh, a bunch of Call of Duties, tons of games that you never would have associated with China have been developed in part or if not entirely in China and then polished off in the Western Hemisphere. So it's who knows what's going to happen moving into 2021 with a new American presidency, with things changing in Europe, with the pandemic, you know, with everything, especially America is quite serious. Are they going to move more gaming development to China? And what does that mean for freedom of expression and what we can say and what we can't say? That's, that's definitely something to look forward to. Um, and even Adam and I have talked about it. I'm very hypocritical. Uh, I still love Hearthstone. I still play Hearthstone, despite it being extremely prejudicial to Hong Kong and Taiwan, which are two causes that I support. But that's that's just the way the cookie crumbles. That's actually a good point that I hadn't thought about, though, that you kind of touched on there. One of the biggest reasons that American manufacturing was sent to China was because they could do it for super cheap. And they could cut a lot of corners in terms of safety and whatnot. Now, it, like looking at like what CD Projekt Red just went through with this whole, you know, game crunch time that, you know, people working, was it 70 hour work weeks and stuff and having to sleep at the office and whatnot. And there's all this kind of push like, oh, this is bad. You need to treat these people like humans. If we're shipping over development to China, do you think that that's a possibility that there might be some kind of Western developers doing the same thing that we've seen in like Nike factories where they're going to start kind of running these uh, development sweatshops, so to speak, where they're just working these guys to the bone because regulations are different. I mean, I would even say that in Taiwan, I mean, to give you guys an example, at one point I was looking to hire a web developer and the typical web developer salary in Taiwan for a person with experience, person a little bit younger than Adam I in their early 30s, is they're probably going to top out in their early 30s about 60K per month, Taiwanese dollars. So that's about $2,000 US. Now you can imagine a developer in their 30s who's been programming, developing websites, you know, from the time they finished university until now in the States, they'd probably be earning $60,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. And that's that shows, I mean, labor is cheaper here, not just in Taiwan, in Korea, in China, in Vietnam. Uh, maybe not so much in Japan. Japan has a high cost of living. But that is, yes, I mean, I, I could definitely see that happening. And given how we're controlling the pandemic here, maybe people will start to outsource game development to China, maybe even Taiwan or Korea. Now, to be fair, the cost of living is lower here. I mean, yes, I, I graduated with a degree in computer science, and the idea was, okay, you're probably going to start around anywhere between forty to 60000 a year. US and I definitely make, you know, 24,000 a year here. But at the end of the year, I actually end up saving more here just because the the cost of living is so much lower that in America, if I was making 60,000, I'm spending 60,000. Here, you know, I'm I'm making 24,000, but I'm spending 23,000, you know. So I actually save more being here. So in that sense, the the, you know, paying less it's kind of the scale, you know, 60,000 uh, a month in Taiwan is actually pretty good for a local job. That's more than my wife would make. So, but yeah, compared to an American job, you know, these companies are like, oh man, I can hire three guys for the price of one American. 
so yeah, that's definitely a concern. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Western game development in China because I don't know if the I don't think the Chinese government would have too much regulation of what is being developed. Maybe they do to an extent, but uh, I mean that would that wouldn't worry me any more than say you know I'm buying an iPhone. I would never buy an iPhone anyway. But, you know, I'm buying an iPhone and uh, that was manufactured in China. Did some Chinese factory worker put a chip in here that's going to be re- listening to me? You know, I mean, that's to me, that would be an equivalent concern. You know, oh, OK, say Final Fantasy is being developed in China. Did they put in some code that's secretly sapping my data? You know, I wouldn't be too worried about that. I'm more worried about uh, the higher end uh, developers self-censoring and saying, OK, we're going to do this or something there was a game recently that came out i don't remember what it was it was actually a uh it was a port of an old i think it was like a neo geo game it was like a baseball game and the game was originally released in i guess the late 80s early 90s or something like that and they had a taiwanese baseball team on there so they had the taiwanese flag and in the newest version when they re-released it they took the Taiwanese flag out and they replaced it with something else. I don't remember, but yeah, they, they, uh, they took the Taiwanese flag out of the game and it was just ridiculous. It's like, this is this tiny little 16 bit baseball game. So that kind of thing worries me. Yeah, no, I mean, he's talking about the chip stuff. I mean, did you see the news that, uh, do you know the, the TV company, a monitor, computer monitor and TV company, TCL? No. Uh, they make uh, LED or LED TVs, monitors as well, but enterprising Reddit dude, you know, again, take that with a piece of salt. He hooked up his computer to one of the PCBs inside his TV and found that it was broadcasting your Netflix and information, username and passwords to China. Yeah, Zoom was in a similar boat with that. So, I mean, yeah. like you mentioned that that's something I worry, but I worry about Blizzard giving my account information to the Chinese and uh, whoever else. So that, that, I mean, what could the Chinese do with it? Who knows? But I mean, if, well, no, actually I do know because uh, people have mentioned that uh, in Hong Kong right now with the new Chinese national security law. So if you're living in Taiwan, if you're living in Japan, maybe not so much Japan, but in Taiwan, in Korea, you fly to Hong Kong to transit to other places. I mean, not like anyone's flying now anyway, but before. And people are saying, if when we do start flying again, if you're going, transiting through Hong Kong and Hong Kong, they scan your password at the transit gate, like, okay, Korean Padiachi. Korean Padiachi hates China and has said bad things. Hey, could you come into this side room for a second? And then I disappear and appear six months later saying, oh my God, China's the best. Yeah, and I've heard about things like that too, especially with this extradition law where... Basically, you hold trial in China so they could pull you over for speeding or something. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we're going to have to put you on trial. Uh, We can't do that in Hong Kong. So we're just going to put you on trial in in China. We're just going to ship you over there for your trial. So, yeah, if you got pulled over and then they were like, oh, we have this, uh, you know, you don't even have to be guilty of something. You just have to be accused of something to hold a trial, right? The point of the trial is to find out if you're guilty or not. So you just have to be accused of something. And then they could be like, okay, well, we're putting you on trial now. Uh-oh, guess where your trial is going to be? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I have no plans on going over there anytime soon. Uh, I have had offers to do some work there. 
which I definitely was kind of like, mm, you know what? I'm probably not your best choice <laughs> for that. Um, <laughs> you might want to ask somebody else because I'll try to be polite, but I know me. I'm going to say something to somebody and it's going to be a mess. I have a big mouth, but yeah, it, it, is, it is a little bit concerning. But again, I do think there's a lot of creativity. I mean, you can't have a billion people and not have some fresh ideas. Let's be honest. Totally. Yeah. And and obviously, like, say, you know, the Chinese are always accused of cloning ideas, right? Stealing ideas. But and I mean, and, and you could argue my time at Porsche, my time at Portia is a Stardew Valley clone. Definitely. But they are putting their own unique spin on it. And I mean, that's that's something. So yes. getting these kind of different ideas, you know, and at the same time. You know, in China, gay marriage is still illegal. It's still highly frowned upon socially, uh, at least from the government standpoint. I, individuals might not care, but, you know, from a government standpoint, it's still a very negative thing. But like you said, my time in Portia, gay marriage is actually a very, very simple thing to do. So, you know, maybe Chinese gamers are the kind of people that say, screw expectations you know i'm gonna do what i want so who knows true 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 that's you made a very good point i didn't think about that i was like these guys are from Chongqing, china and they they released this game with religion as well which religion is not religion is sort of again very much like gay marriage sort of under the table is accepted but officially government speaking there is no religion in china but in my time in Portia, there is this sort of pseudo nature religion know sort of Gaian religion uh, as well and that's that was kind of strange i'm like how did they pass it i'm like it makes me think is maybe my time in portia was just made in china but just released for the west i don't know it's a possibility i don't know so yeah it'll be interesting to see like i said i'm all for it on a creativity standpoint i am what was the word i said concerned but i am not against it sure cautious optimism is the word True, true, true. And I will definitely say that. I mean, I'm hypocritical. I've said it so a few times. <laughs> I've kickstarted my time at Sandrock. I want to go back to play my time at Porsche because when I played in early access, excuse me, um, to now there's been a bunch of new content, new quests and stuff. So I'd like to get back to playing that. And I think, yeah, Chinese games go go wild as long as you allow people to express your their opinions and let us do the things we'd like to do in the West. That's right. Share your stories. I'm very interested in those. Yes. And, and I mean, you convinced me with Black Myth Wukong. I, I'd, I'd give that a go. Definitely. Exactly. And again, it's, you know, people could say, oh, this is just a Dark Souls clone. But let's face it. How many Dark Souls clones do we have out there already anyway? You know? Yes. yes so yes. in that sense, and then this is something entirely fresh and new because they're going with this Chinese myth. So, Yeah. They're not doing anything anybody else isn't doing already. <laughs> I mean, now we're we're on on about it. Um, we might as well let everybody know what uh what do you want to talk about next week for after the show? Me? Yeah. I don't know. Did I mention something <laughs> before? No, no, no. I mean, I I, I guess because I chose this topic, I was like, let me give you a chance, and our listeners can know what exciting topic to expect for next week. Oh well, I hadn't put any thought into that, so I'm just gonna have to surprise you. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, and for our listeners, um, Adam and I 
on the ongoing PS5 Taiwanese saga, we have ed- entered into a lottery system uh, with one of the local retailers here. Tomorrow, Taiwanese time, if we're lucky, I'll announce it on social media that Adam will be getting a PS5 and will be filling us in, hopefully, as he skips all responsibilities on the weekend. <laughs> if only <laughs> that were possible. <laughs> Dives deep on the PlayStation 5. Um, but we will let you guys know. I uh, was still endeavoring to get a console and bring you sort of the middle-aged view on the new console, the UIs, the games involved, the DualSense controller, and whatever Adam wants to make a video about, I'm cool with. Yeah. No, actually, I, that is something worth... I, I specifically avoided the whole PlayStation shortages news because, I mean, I think everybody already kind of is aware of what's going on with scalpers and not. I think Taiwan... Not Taiwan, but at least the place where we're going uh, was really smart to kind of do this lottery system where they're saying, you know, we're going to have this many units. We're going to do a lottery. You have to register for it. And each person, each registry can only get one unit. I think that was actually probably one of the smartest things I've seen in this whole thing, because, yeah, we're looking on eBay and this was this is going back to China. This is a thing that's concerning me in China. PlayStation 5 does not have a release date yet. So as of now, it has not been approved by the Chinese government to have PlayStation 5s in China. However, Chinese people obviously want a game on them. So the only way to get them on the is the only way to get them is on the black market. And they are currently selling for three to five times their retail value. And being in Taiwan, a Chinese speaking country adjacent to China, that has me very concerned about Taiwan's supply of PS5s because I, I do see a lot of people here being like, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. We're going to snatch up all those PS5s and sell them for, you know, buy a $500 PS5 and sell it for twenty you know $2,500 in China. And so I, I, I do worry that that's going to be a thing here. So I think having this lottery system is probably the best way to do it definitely yeah. definitely and we just have to keep our fingers crossed for good luck that's right any podcast listeners if you living in taiwan and you know a way for us to get a ps5 please drop us a line uh in case we don't get one on tomorrow oh we don't get it's not announced that we can get one on friday they told me they'll announce it on thursday i don't know maybe because i'm registered it's thursday or friday they told i got a message saying thursday but oh, I registered okay, so later, so maybe it's different for me. Maybe they're doing two rounds. Oh, okay. I, I'm. I just because I mean I did it on the weekend, so I, I would already forgotten. So I'm. I'm gonna go with your most recent knowledge. Oh, okay. Yeah, the day before it goes live, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all we have time for today. I hope you liked today's topic. If you have ideas for a future topic, please do contact us on Twitter at Gaming Age, Facebook at Middle Age Gaming 2020, Instagram at Middle Age Gaming. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want us to do more things like this or do different shows, we love the feedback we got today. Please keep an eye out for our podcast during the week. We would love to get some feedback on those as well. And we are sorry if we offended anybody. That was not our intent. We are purely expressing our own opinions. But gamers, you know, we love everybody. So we hopefully did not offend anybody there. (laughs) Uh, We are trying to improve the visibility of our content. So, you know, give us those thumbs ups on YouTube videos and follow us on Facebook's likes or whatever you guys have these days with you young kids and your social networking. Uh, if you like what we do or you know someone who might like it, you know, please forward this to them. 
And we want to build a great media platform for gamers like us to enjoy a variety of content. So like Korean said, if you guys have ideas for what you would like us to discuss or, you know, do some research on and inform you because you're lazy and you don't want to do the work, let us know and we will be more than happy to waste our time so you don't have to waste yours. Hell yeah. And keep an eye out on social media for announcements of the podcast. Keep an eye out on for streams this week. Adam is busy, but I'll be streaming Godfall Thursday night, if not tonight, if I'm lucky. And uh, also keep an eye out for what we're going to be talking about next week. Please tune in. Tell your friends. We'd like to get more listeners to the podcast. And we will see you guys next week, Tuesday, at the same time. See you then. See you guys later.